good morning, good afternoon, good night, whatever time of day you're watching this, good something. It could be 10 o'clock in the morning, could be 10 o'clock at night, doesn't matter. Good whatever time of day you are at. Hopefully you've had a good day or are going to have a good day. Um, I'm Giovanni, and this is The G-Truth, and it's been almost a month since I've recorded. I had a pretty nice uh, winter break. It wasn't all terrific, but it was, you know, for the most part, pretty good. Uh, I got to spend a lot of it with family, so that was really good. Family does a great job of rebooting. Uh, it's, it's weird. Um, yeah, it, it helped me sort of clear clear my head and uh, just come up with a lot of ideas for, for this podcast and to talk about. I have a lot more within the basketball world to talk about, um, but today is just going to be talking about the playoffs in both the NFL and also in uh, college football. We just had the um, college football championship between LSU and Clemson on Monday. It was crazy. It was really, really late, actually. It started at 8 Eastern time. I'm, I'm in Boston, and it ended past midnight, so it's a four-hour. It was a long football game, but it was entertaining. It was entertaining for me because I was going for LSU. I was rooting for LSU and Joe Burrow, and I felt like they were going to win. Um, but we'll get to that later. I'm going to start off with the divisional round in the NFL. I'm only going to be talking about two games, mainly because I feel like uh, the Packers and Seahawks, 49ers and Vikings, those didn't really have a lot going on. Yeah, I know who won, and I, I, I watched the Packers and Seahawks game. I didn't really watch the 49ers Vikings game. I'm going to get around to that sometime. I didn't really have time for that. I was in between like moving and all that stuff. Um, travel. But but I, I can pretty much break it down really, really quickly for Packers-Seahawks. The Seahawks defense just didn't show up. It wasn't... I mean, it hasn't showed up all season. It wasn't really magnificent all season. Seahawks always make things really, really close. I thought the Seahawks had this game just because of Russell Wilson, but Aaron Rodgers... Of course, does Aaron Rodgers things, and I mean he, he did what had to be done against a pretty crummy Seahawks defense. Uh, 49ers and Vikings. I mean, you stop Dalvin Cook, you stop the Vikings. And that's exactly what happened to the Niners. I don't know how they did it. Their defensive line is just magnificent. It's ridiculous how good their defensive line is. I mean, what else is there to say? Their defensive line won them that game. You stop Dalvin Cook. Make Kirk Cousins have to throw, put him in high pressure moments. Although he did get his win against the New Orleans Saints, and that was, you know, I applaud him for that. A lot of that had to do with Dalvin Cook in that run game that exploded, and he just didn't do that against the the Forty Niners. And that was it. Forty Niners are going to get their points. They're not a high octane offense, but they, they will score at some point, and they did, and they got the win. But I'm going to talk about the Ravens and Titans and the Chiefs against the Texans, because those were the big games that everyone wanted to talk about, especially the AOC games. I expected the NFC games to be a bit more uh, entertaining, honestly, but it ended up being the flip side. So let's get to the first game. I'm going to talk about the Ravens and Titans. All right. On Saturday, January 11th, the Titans pulled off an incredible upset over the number one seeded Ravens, 28 to 12 in Baltimore. And there are a couple things I want to talk about and cover uh, in this game. The main thing is that, especially in the playoffs, the best team going into the playoffs, in this case, it was the Ravens. The consensus best team doesn't always win the whole thing. 
they do not win the whole thing. Actually, most of the time, they don't. Last year, the Chiefs probably, I think we can all agree, were better than the Patriots. And we can even argue, yeah, the New Orleans Saints were better than the Rams, but they just didn't win. They, they, didn't, they didn't make it to the, to the Super Bowl. And if you want to talk about teams that make it to the Super Bowl, we got the Panthers, 15-1. and I think that, looking back at it, we were like, yeah, they were better than the Broncos, but they still lost. The Patriots, 16-0, going against the Giants in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they were better than the Giants, but they still lost. And part of the reason why these teams that we believe are the top teams or the best team in the NFL at that moment entering the playoffs lose or lost is because of a lack of adversity throughout the whole season. And part of that has to do with just their sheer dominance. But that lack of adversity does somewhat hurt them in a different way. The Ravens dominated the first quarter and the first half throughout this whole season. So they were always playing protect the lead. That was their game plan. Protect the lead. Let's get a, let's get a couple scores early on, and we're just gonna protect the lead and run it up if if we want to. However, against the Titans, Titans scored first. The and, and, and I think the commentator said it. Um, this is like a, long, a first time in a long time that the Ravens were down early in the game because they had dominated those first quarters, like I said. And again, faced with adversity against the Titans, they ended up straying from that play style of running the rock, running the ball, feeding it to their running back, Gus Edwards, I'm pretty sure, and Lamar Jackson, letting them just do their thing. Instead, what ended up happening is that they, is that they strayed from that to a passing attack that just got exploited, and Lamar Jackson was just missing throws. And it was not pretty to watch. It was pretty sad to watch, actually, because... Lamar Jackson had been, had been making those throws throughout the whole season, but then playoff time, it just, it just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. However, however, I think this is really, really good for, for the Ravens. Although, yes, they would love a Super Bowl, and that's their mission. I love their attitude. And their attitude and their mentality is in the right place. Especially Lamar Jackson. He doesn't care about accolades or the records that he's broken or him most likely winning the MVP this season, he has one thing in mind, and that's winning the Super Bowl. And I love that because that's the right mentality you want for your young quarterback to have. And I think that this loss is going to only further his development and make him a better quarterback and player and really give him motivation to, to come back next year and really go for it. However, although that's really, really positive and optimistic for the Ravens, despite their loss. We cannot discredit the Titans. The Titans have come out of nowhere, 9-7, and seven, but for whatever reason, this is a different 9-7 and seven team than the, I guess, three or two 9-7 and seven teams of the Titans that came before them. I mean, Derrick Henry, we know that he was capable of doing this, but he's shown up these playoffs. He's been a machine running the football. I think that he's the first running back with, like, um, three straight playoff games of... 175 or 180 yards plus. It's something ridiculous. And I'm really, really excited to see how that matches up against the Kansas City Chiefs. And if they beat the Chiefs, how that matches up against probably the 49ers. Because their run game is so, so good with Derrick Henry that if he gets going, 
it opens up so much for Ryan Tannehill passing wise, play action. It just opens up so much for Tannehill to be really good. But let's also not say that Tannehill's a bad quarterback by any means. He's a good quarterback. He's the same quarterback that took the Miami Dolphins. Yes, the Miami Dolphins to the playoffs. So he is a capable quarterback. And the Titans offense puts him in positions where he can be his best rather than having him do everything or be the savior that the Dolphins had him be. So I'm really, really excited for the Titans to see how they do against the Chiefs in the conference championship. I think that the Chiefs got it, but, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a lot closer than people may think. So, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to switch over to the next game, uh, the Chiefs and the Texans. Um, the Chiefs came back from 24-zip to win that football game, 51-31. to it's, it's incredible. They essentially went on, what, a 51-7 to run from the second quarter on. So there's quite a bit to unpack. But first of all, that was an incredible game. But I must say, I was unable to watch the first half, which is the best half, because I was on my flight to Boston. And, yeah, that obviously sucks. But also, I ended up ditching it because I had recorded it. Because I was thinking ahead, I had recorded the game, and I, you know, watched it. And I was, I was able to catch the second half, third quarter and on, um, once my fight landed. But I, I had to go back and watch the first half, because I had re I recorded it and I had missed it. So, don't worry, I have everything that I need, and everything that I saw, right here. So, I, I, I want to talk about what I saw when I got off the plane. First of all, um, and I don't know why, but, but my phone was the notifications as soon as I got it off airplane mode because I'm a responsible citizen. It was delayed and it was all mixed up. The order was all mixed up. So I, like, the first thing I saw was the Texans are up 24-0. They're killing the Chiefs. 24-zip. And I'm like, wow, I really did not see that coming. I thought that it would be the other way around because I expected the Chiefs to just come into this game just maul the Texans. And then I just scroll a bit down because my notifications are all messed up. I scroll a bit down and, um, and I see, oh wait, the Chiefs came back and they're up 28-24. And I'm like, well, okay, that that sounds better. Um, a bit more aligning with, with what I thought was going to happen. Not that they're going to come back 21-zip, but that the Chiefs would be winning. But that's not how I thought it happened. But it sounded very Kansas city to me, very, very like the Chiefs because, I mean, with Patrick Mahomes, anything's really possible. No comeback or no lead is safe, I mean. And and, and I was in the car uh, getting to my dorm room and I saw that the, the third quarter was about to start and I was like, okay, cool, who gets Paul? And I was like, if, if the Texans got it, they still got a chance. But I saw the Chiefs got it and I was like, it's over. The game's over. Because they have all the momentum. I did not need to see the first half to know that the Chiefs got all the momentum after being down 24-zip. But I went back and watched the first half anyways. So, after watching the first half, I've got to say, it's one of the craziest, most random event happening first half ever. Maybe not ever, but one of the most that I've seen in my whole life. But I want to focus 
mainly on the Chiefs mentality. Early on in the game, how the Texans got 24 zip, a lot of it was very, very unfortunate for the Chiefs. Uh, the first drive for the Texans, blown coverage by the Chiefs, allows Kenny Stills to break away wide open, untouched touchdown. That's a blown coverage. And then the Chiefs get the ball back. They they have a drop pass on what, third and six, which leads to a punt that ends up being blocked in return for a touchdown. They get the ball back down 14 zip just like that. And it's like, okay, you know what? We, we still got a shot. 14, 14 down. Uh, it wasn't really our fault. Let's go down. They get, I think, across midfield. Third and five. Another drop pass. And they, they got to punt it. And then their demons actually stopped the Texans again. But then the Texans punted it. And then... I think it was Tyree Kill who was the who, who was the uh, receiver on the punt. It might have been. I'm not sure. I would have to double check that. Correct me if I'm wrong. He muffs it. He muffs it, and the Texans get it. And it was just a weird muff. He like had it, but then he started falling backwards, and he just let it go. I don't. I don't know how that happens. It was just weird. It was just weird, weird, weird. And then they get that get that touchdown because they're that close to the goal line, anyways. And then they get a field goal afterwards, and that's 24-zip right there. Bam. Chiefs are down 24-0, and you're looking at it, and you're like, oh, damn. These Chiefs are not clicking on offense. They're dropping passes. But also in the back of your mind, you're like, eventually this offense has to get going, right? And I'm sure that's exactly what the Chiefs are thinking, their Chiefs defense. If I'm them, I'm thinking, okay, they had maybe one legit drive, one legitimate drive where they actually you know, really, really got us. That first drive, blown coverage, other ones, they were right in the goal line. Not much we can do there. The only one that they really, you know, really worked for was that field goal. That field goal drive, and that's only three points. So, I'm I'm sure that the defense for the Chiefs was like, yeah, I'm pretty confident that we that we can get a couple stops, and then hopefully our, our offense scores, and then we then we're back, right back in it. So that's what I think that the defense was thinking. Now, for the offensive side, I'm going to let Patrick Mahomes speak for it with his motivational speech. They're playing man coverage. We catch the ball make one person miss his touchdown. Let's do something special. Let's do something special. Already counting us out. One play at a time, do something special. Now, if I was Patrick Mahomes, I would be really, really, really pissed off at my wide receivers for dropping so many passes that would have led to first downs and maybe you don't have that block punt return for a touchdown or just punting in general maybe you get some points on the board earlier. But that's what a leader is. Someone who, even though things aren't working out perfectly, they they take a moment, look within, and say, you know what, it's okay, we got this. Rather than what I would do in that situation, which would be just get angry. And maybe that's why I don't play quarterback or anything like that. But Patrick Mahomes is a leader, and, and that showed it right there. Um, and then from there, they just rallied. They they scored 28, 28 points unanswered. Actually, ended up being 35 points unanswered uh, if we're counting past halftime. Um, and they just rallied. I don't know if it was that specific speech that Patrick Mahomes gave or the Chiefs fan that was really superstitious 
and was like, I'm out of here if they go up 21 zip, and he left, and then all these miracles started heading their way. I don't know what it was, but the Chiefs, I don't, like, all that karma, I guess, went back, and then the Chiefs got all that good luck that the Texans were getting on their side now, and they just ran with it. They got all the momentum, and it was over from there. They got a long return from the kickoff, which was incredible, and then Mahomes delivered for a touchdown right off the bat after going down 24-zip, boom, 24-7, just like that, crowds into it. Mahomes, after throwing that pass for a touchdown, is like screaming his head off. Travis Kelsey is going crazy too. I mean, that whole, that, that first drive to get a touchdown, everyone was very, very emotional for that whole Chiefs team. And in some, situ in, and in some situations, it's not good to get over-emotional because you end up making mistakes. But in this case, it was the perfect time because you want to get your fans into it. You want to get your fans into it. You want to suck away as much momentum as possible from the Houston Texans. And they do just that with that one score. They suck out all the life. And then after that, the Texans got the ball back. I don't know what Bill O'Brien was thinking. They get a fake punt. And I think it was Tony Romo who was saying this, that the Texans took too long on that fake punt because then the Sheets are like, hey, wait, you don't have that many blockers in the backfield. You have one potential blocker a bit on the side here. Yeah, let's look out for for the uh, for the fake. And it was a fake punt, and he got stopped. And then you can't give this, this Kansas City Chiefs good field position because they will score on you 100% of the time. So the Chiefs went down, got another touchdown. Again, this time it was Travis Kelsey. He was going crazy, spiking the ball. And it was just insane to, to, to watch this. Um, and then after scoring again, the Texans get the ball on the kickoff, but fumble it. So again, just all this bad stuff, all, all the misfortunes that the Chiefs were facing in the first quarter or so, first quarter and a half, now on on the Texans. And they fumble it, Chiefs again score, and defense gets a stop, and then boom, score again, 28-24 before, before halftime, and that was, that was all she wrote. Uh, after that first touchdown, after that kick return, to set up that drive for that first touchdown of the game by the Chiefs. I mean, if you're watching that game, you just go, "Yeah, a comeback's gonna happen." It's all the it's all the momentum just sucked out. Now, the interesting thing to me is that Bill O'Brien he defended his fake punt by saying, "We got to be aggressive," and, and I understand that. I understand that. If the fake punt works, we're like, wow, he's a genius. And then and then if they wouldn't go on and win the game after that, we're like, wow, he's smart. He he keeps his job. But it did not work out. And uh, and I'm not going to go too critical on him for the fake punt um, decision because I, I can see where he's coming from. But the problem is that, for me, is that he shows to be aggressive at the wrong times. He chose to be aggressive at that moment on your own side, rather than fourth and one on the Kansas City on, on the Kansas City side. Fourth and one, you end up settling for a field goal. I think you gotta get you gotta try to get a first down, try to get a, uh, try to get a first down, and then a touchdown. If you just get the first down and you still settle for a field, and you still settle for a field goal, you take away more time away from Patrick Mahomes. 
But I think that the fear of, oh wait, if you don't get this, then we're only up 21 zip, a bit more momentum goes their way, and who knows what happens. But I think by doing that, by playing into that fear, you end up losing out on that aggression and it becomes a lot more spotty. So I think that those decisions are going to put Bill O'Brien's job at stake. And honestly, I'm going to have to think a bit more about whether or not if I was in the Texans' position, would I keep Bill O'Brien or would I fire him? I would have to think about that a bit more. But it came down to Bill O'Brien's decision-making and his spotty aggressiveness in the wrong times. And the Chiefs got the, got the momentum and just blew the Texans out. So now I'm going to switch over to just one step down from the pros to college football, to LSU against Clemson. And this was, like I said in my intro, a long game. It was it was a good game, by all means, but it was just a long game. I was watching with my friend Brian, and he fell asleep in the first half. On Twitter, you had people like saying, yeah, I'm going to fall asleep in the like for the rest of the game, because... It was just so late, especially on the Eastern time. If you're in California or like more, if you're not in the Eastern time or, or on the East Coast, the game was at five, six, seven ish, and at that point you you can muster it. You, you can you can stay awake, especially if you're in California, five o'clock. That game ends around eight or nine. But here, started at eight, ended at twelve, fifteen, twelve thirty ish. So, and it was and and people had work to do tomorrow. It was. It was a good game, by all means, but it was just a bit late. Um, anyways, I'm going to talk about the LSU and Clemson game. So, when LSU beat Oklahoma, I this was uh, a couple weeks ago. I was not recording. I was with my uh, I was at my cousin's house during winter break, um, and and I watched the. Um, not Clemson, uh, LSU against Oklahoma game, watched Joe Burrow throw seven touchdowns, break a whole bunch of records. It was a phenomenal game, and it was just crazy. It was a beatdown. I think they were up 49-14 into halftime, and it just got worse. I think the end score was like 63-21 to, I want to say 21 or 22, something like that. Yeah, something along those lines. Um, maybe 63-26, to 26, I think. Um, I don't know. It doesn't really matter, but um, I, I on, on on YouTube, I I wrote a comment on on one of uh, the sports podcasters that I listen to a lot uh, called Strong Opinion Sports. Definitely a really, really good one. Definitely check him out if if you want to. Um, but I left a comment talking about what I saw in Joe Burrow, and, and I'll probably show it up here uh, about what I thought about Joe Burrow. And also my prediction for the LSU against Clemson game. And and I'll talk about the stuff about Joe Burrow much later. Uh, actually, after talking about LSU and Clemson. But for the LSU against Clemson preview, I believe that LSU with Joe Burrow at the wheel would struggle a bit early on. Especially um, because of that Clemson pass rush that would you know come screaming at him. And they did during that game. They... They were pouncing him, giving him like two seconds, three seconds to throw. Very similar to the NFL, whereas Oklahoma gave him like seven seconds to throw the ball. And it was, he, he could just sit back and he had all the time in the world. 
And, and yes, Joe Burrow definitely struggled early on against Clemson, and part of that had to do with fuel position. The first drive for LSU, they started on their own seven, and he made a great play, escaping pressure, breaking a sack, throwing a downfield completion. Uh, I think it was like a 38-yard play, it was supposed to be, from their own seven, 38-yard play. Um, and then I, then I got called back for, I think, illegal man downfield, uh, penalty on McGee, one of the offensive linemen for LSU. And so that sucked the life out of them. And then the second drive, they started on their own four. And in both drives, the run game and a lot of passes were dropped. And it just, nothing was really working for Joe Burrow in that offense. And as ironic as it sounds, things started to clear up after Clemson scored. Because after Clemson scored a touchdown, they went up 7-zip. LSU got a bit better field position because that's they're at their own 25 rather than, you know, their 7 or 4-yard line. And although they didn't score a touchdown or, any, or anything that drive, it did give them a bit better field goal position because their defense ended up stopping Clemson, and then they got the ball back at their own 30-yard line. And from there, I think LSU started to figure it out a bit more. They found, uh, I want to get his name right, Jamar Chase. Yeah, Jamar Chase against A.J. Terrell. And that was their matchup for the whole game. As soon as they found it on that one touchdown, it was over. They, they knew the matchup that they, that they wanted. And so they found Jamar Chase, and, and he completely destroyed A.J. Terrell. And, and from there, LSU tied it up 7-7. But then Clemson came back towards 10 straight, and, and then they went at 17-7. And it was the second quarter... But it really didn't feel like a dominant 10-point lead. It felt like, you know what, Clemson's kind of shaky. LSU with Joe Burrow, it was similar to the, to the Chiefs-Texans game. It was like down but not out. And, and I just felt like LSU, you know, Joe Burrow, eventually he will get clicking. Because that slow start I was talking about, eventually they're, they're going to start clicking. They found their matchup that they liked. And they're going to start clicking and start finding that again and start exploiting it. And that's exactly what happened. They got a few more bombs to, to Jamar Chase. Um, they got two touchdown throws, I think, to Jamar Chase and um, to Randy Moss's son, Thaddeus Moss, and a touchdown run by by uh, Joe Burrow to get a 28-17 lead going into halftime. And after that, I was thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, this game's about over. It's twenty seventeen, down by ten, now up by eleven. They have all the they have all the momentum playing in Louisiana, in in, in the Superdome. Yeah, I think LSU got this. They they knocked Clemson off their game, off their running game. Etn didn't really get many carries, uh, going into the second half, and Lawrence Taylor just couldn't run the ball because you know LSU had prepared for that, and so they forced him to pass. He just wasn't on target at all throughout the whole game, and they shut him down. LSU shut down Clemson, and I am really happy for LSU. Um, I guess just congratulations for, 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 for winning the championship, and to Coach Ordron for turning that program around, and I, I found it amazing that he was able to turn this program around. I think he entered the program 2016, after the way that he was treated, I think that the commentator said, and Mississippi State were 
uh, players made videos mocking his voice, and it's like, come on, be better than that. And I, I just found it amazing. I, I, I found him. I, I found him really cool. I don't. I don't know how you. I, I don't know how you make fun of him. He, he seems like a really really cool guy. Um, but congratulations to Coach Ordron for turning that program around. Uh, Joe Brady, I think, yeah, Joe Brady, I just, I just realized, I just found out on my phone that he's going to be the Panthers' offensive coordinator, uh, with Matt Rule as a head coach, so just say congratulations to him. I don't know how that's going to play out, I'm going to have to think about it for a bit, and then maybe I'll make a video on it, probably this week I'll make a video of it, um, but congratulations to him for getting the offensive coordinator job, and ultimately to Joe Burrow for capping off a spectacular historic season probably one of the greatest seasons we'll ever see by a quarterback and I mean it was incredible what what he did and his journey to get there after sitting at Ohio State not becoming a starter having to fight for the starting job at LSU working working his butt off improving from last year to this year to becoming the Heisman and ultimately winning the championship going 15-0 and historic I mean there's nothing like this that I've seen in my life, except for maybe Cam Newton, but I was pretty young when I saw that, and this was, I don't know, th this was something else, and I just want to say congratulations to that whole LSU organization, to Joe Brady, uh, Ed Orgeron, and, and especially Joe Burrow. Speaking of Joe Burrow, I want to talk about Joe Burrow a bit. Um, I want to dissect a bit of what he did in the Clemson game, but more of what I've noticed uh, against Clemson, against Oklahoma, and just throughout this whole season, um, I, I didn't really have a a, a huge radar on him uh, at, at, the, at the beginning of the season. Um, I, I don't think most people did, of LSU in general, and specifically Joe Burrow, but as they started winning, you know, you start paying more attention, and you're like, wow, this guy's really good. So Joe Burrow led his team to a 42-25 win over a Clemson team that had one of, that had one of the best defenses in the whole nation. Of all of college football, had one of the best defenses. And they were coming after him and screaming at him throughout the whole game, giving him two or three seconds to actually throw the ball. And to me, I was impressed that he was able to adjust to it. I was impressed that he was able to adjust to it and, and and in my prediction for 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 this uh, for for this game, I, I said he was going to struggle a little bit, but he eventually tear up that defense, and he did. I mean, you you put up forty two points, five touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, six total touchdowns against a Clemson team with one of the best defenses in the whole league. Yeah, you mean business. You mean business. And he had a historic, incredible season. He had like sixty five total touchdowns. 5,800-something yards, uh, and six interceptions. That is incredible. He had one more interception this season than last season while putting up way, 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 way better numbers. He had like 16 touchdowns last season compared to 65, well, 60 passing, and 16 passing last season. 60 passing. That's, what? What? But, although, although the numbers are there, I want to get into a bit more of how he plays as a quarterback, what I think about him as a quarterback. Uh, 
and why I believe he's ready for the NFL. So the first thing that, for me, he checks off the box immediately is that he has the intangible of leadership. He, he just gets it. He just gets it. Some people just get leadership, and he gets it. Part of that is his calmness during the big games in the playoffs specifically against Oklahoma. He was really, really calm, and Oklahoma looked rattled from the get-go, and he was just really calm and throwing touchdowns everywhere. Some of that had to do with an extremely clean pocket, but it seemed like he had no nerves about Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts just looked rattled and confused and just didn't look like they belonged in that playoff game. And heading into the Clemson game, I was thinking, all right, cool, he did he did that against Oklahoma, but can he do that against Clemson, a team that is going to come after him every single time? He got sacked five times. He got hit a lot more than five times, obviously. And, 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 and he did. He brought that level of calmness that I believed that he would and ended up just and not just destroying them. He struggled early on, but he ended up adjusting to that defense because he, he he's the one that makes all the adjustments at the line, telling the block, telling his line, all right, that's the mic, block that guy specifically, there's a blitz coming, stuff like that. And, and he did that. And although it wasn't perfect, because that defense got him sometimes, and it's hard when the rushing six and you're blocking five guys, it's difficult to make sure that, you know, you don't get hit. But after a while, I noticed that he, he anticipated the blitz and at the right times where there'd be someone screaming down the middle and he already knew that. And, and, he, and he took that in and was like, all right, I got five blockers. They're going to be rushing six or seven. I got to just roll out as soon as I get this ball and just throw it to whoever's open or just dump it off. But throughout that, he just seemed really calm to me, never really panicked at all, even when he was down 17 to seven. Now, the second thing that I noticed was that, it's a bit more obvious, is that he's a gifted passer. He's just really, really good at throwing the football. He's always putting it right where the receiver can get it, whether it's a high-pointed pass or a deep throw that's over the shoulder or more to the outside towards the sideline, always in the perfect place. There's one a pass to, I think, Jamar Chase. That was, it was a one-on-one man-to-man. He put it right perfectly just over Jamar Chase's shoulder, and it was, it was an incompletion. But it was a beautiful throw. It was a beautiful throw. He has a tremendous accuracy into really tight windows that in the college level, although you might be like, oh, it's college and the game gets faster in NFL, those are NFL throws that he's making into really, really tight windows against really good defenders. And then the third point, which is maybe a subset of, of uh, being a great thrower, is that he has a great IQ, great patience with throwing the football. He doesn't force anything downfield um, like James Winston or Phillip Rivers or players like that or or Sam Darnold, and he's getting a bit better at that, but or but like Sam Darnold entering the league and, and, and in college. Um, and, and I think that he has that ability to have that patience to, you know, take, take the check down every now and then, to take the slant route that gets him maybe five, six, seven, eight yards. Take the, take the flat route. Take the little dump off to the running back for three, four yards because you're still moving, you're still getting momentum, you're still progressing down the field rather than going through, going for those deep bombs and risking interceptions. The fourth thing, and probably the second most important after leadership, is is that he has an incredible work ethic, and this does not have 
so much to do with him as a football player. Uh, although it does a bit. It has to do with more of him as a person. And you might be and you might be thinking, okay, cool, Gio, that, that, that's cool. He works hard, but everyone else does in the NFL. But that's my point. He's going to go into a league where you have to work hard, and he's already doing it. But he already... But, but he also goes above and beyond. He's gone to where he is, not because of his talent, although he does have a lot of it, but because of his hard work, his work ethic. The same reason he had the season that he had is because he works hard. It's the exact same reason that he's gotten there in the first place and to why he had such a great historic season. When Joe Burrow was battling for the starting job coming from Ohio State to LSU, uh, I, I had to do some digging to, to find this, but uh, Joe Burrow would come in early. Early. Fighting for that starting job would come in early just to watch film and learn that LSU offense so that he could be better suited to win that starting job. And I imagine that he continued to do that. Not, not only with the LSU offense to better himself, but also scouting and looking at other teams on film. And People recognize that hard work. That hard work translates to a level of respect that people see. It doesn't matter how good or bad you are at your job. If It doesn't, but if people can see that you're working hard, they will have a level of respect for you that goes into leadership, especially if you're good at your job like Joe Burrow is. If you're good at your job and you continue to work hard at it, hard at it rather than being like okay you know i'm good enough i'm, I'm competent i don't really need i don't really need to do any anything else or much more i think that joe burrow goes above and beyond anything that translates to a level of respect and which translates to a level of leadership in the locker room which goes with that first point that i made about his intangible of leadership those two work together leadership and hard work those work together and you need that going into the nfl and I, th I think that he has the tools and the intangibles and also the ability to step into the NFL and just not go off and break records and stuff like that, but to do well in the NFL. Now, I'm sure that some people that, that maybe listen to this are like, hey, you know what? I, I completely disagree with you. And Joe Grady is the reason why, why he had this tremendous season. And I don't really know what to tell you. If you completely disagree with me, then you just disagree with me. If you think Joe Grady is re uh, sorry, Joe Brady, Joe Brady is, is the reason why um, Joe Burrow ha had the great season that, that they did, then fine. But we'll see what Joe Grady does. But the Panthers, and, and I definitely think that Joe Brady did have something to do with, 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 with Joe Burrow's success. But at the end of the day, it comes down to Joe Burrow. He has to make those throws. He has to find those matchups, exploit them, find the open guy, make the different reads, call out the offensive line, make sure that they get their block, make sure that they get their blocks right. And, and, and the stats show it. The stats show it. This guy doubled his yards. He quadrupled his touchdowns while only allowing, or while only giving up one more interception. So yes, Joe Brady definitely, Joe Brady, Joe Brady. I'm messing up his name. He definitely finds uh, matchups that are favorable 
to Joe Burrow and helps him exploit it or puts him in good positions to exploit it. But at the end of the day, Joe Burrow, at, at the end of the day, Joe Burrow has to make the tough throws, and he does, and he does it really, really well. And I think that the clearest example of his work ethic that everyone can see, and that stands out to me, can be seen on the sideline after every single drive that the L, that, that LSU has had. I mean, the biggest thing that stood out to me against Oklahoma, although he had seven touchdowns, although he had a magnificent game, he had a rushing touchdown as well. They were up 35 points going into halftime. 49 to 14. 50 seconds left. This, he, he throws his seventh touchdown. He celebrates with his teammates for five seconds. F 50 seconds left in the first half. They're not going to get the ball back. First thing he does... After celebrating with his teammates for five seconds, puts on a headset, listens to Joe Grady, and tries to learn and get better. Because he's never content with the status quo or the touchdown that, that he just got. He wants to be better. He's a guy that wants to win. He wants to be the best in the game. He works hard for it. And I think that just because of that, just because of that, that work ethic, is the reason why he will succeed in the NFL. No matter what team he goes to, he will succeed. So I'm excited what team he goes to, and and just excited to see what he does um, in, in the NFL. So now I'm going to flip to the other side of, of the uh, LSU-Clemson game, and that's going to be Clemson. I talked about LSU, talk, talked about Joe Brady, uh, not Joe Brady, um, Joe Burrow, sorry, very... Very similar names, especially the Joe part. Um, I'm talking about the losing quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor Lawrence was on the losing side of the Clemson LSU game, and he finally got his first loss. He finally got his first loss after being 25 and 0 as a starter for Clemson, and he did not look good at all in that Clemson LSU game. Once LSU took the lead and, and shut down that running game. From both Lawrence and, and uh, Etienne, he looked confused. He didn't look like he knew what he was doing. He just looked out of sync. He was missing throws that he should have made. He was overthrowing, and it just looked pretty bad. I, I was I was watching this uh, this Clemson LSU game with, with a friend of mine. His name is Brian, and and, and we, were, we were talking about Trevor Lawrence on, on some of the throws that he was making, and we agreed that uh, his throws were pretty bad. They were overthrown or just completely off target to no one. It was just awful. But then my friend Brian, he, he turned to me and he said on on those on those scramble plays when he's rolling out of the pocket or, or he's um, getting pressured and starts going out of the pocket, escaping the pocket or or scrambling or on a, on a rollout. On any of those ones. Trevor Lawrence was not looking downfield. And, and that stood out to me because I had not noticed that before. And, and I started paying attention to that a bit more. And I just wanted to refine his, his comment a bit more. It's not so much that Trevor Lawrence wasn't looking downfield. It was more of Trevor Lawrence on those rollouts, on those uh, escape-the-pocket plays. It wasn't so much that he was not looking down the field. It was that he wanted to run first. And then he was like, oh wait, there's a linebacker right there, or a cornerback right there. 
I can't run. I will get destroyed. And then he looked downfield. And by that time, pressure was in his face from that linebacker cornerback that was going after him. And he just threw it into the dirt. That's what it looked like more to me rather than he just wasn't looking downfield. It looked like he was looking downfield far too late because he had the instinct or desire to run the ball instead because that's where most of his most of his success had come from. But with all that being said, all of his bad throws throughout that whole game, all of his poor decision making as well, when he would not slide and and end up giving up a fumble, which I felt was going to happen at some point with the way that he was just wasn't sliding. With all that being said, I think that this is a good time for Trevor Lawrence to lose. I think this, I think this was the perfect time, and I think it's good for him that that he lost. Only if he looks at it in the right way. And I think it's good for him and also NFL scouts so that they can see what he's really, really made of. But for Trevor Lawrence specifically, no one improves by winning over and over and over again or having success all the time. You have to face some adversity because if you just keep on winning, when that adversity finally hits, you won't know what to do. You really won't know what to do. And that's what happened with Trevor Lawrence. He finally hit some adversity and he didn't know what to do. It just it just didn't work. And I think that this and, and yes, this loss for him sucks. It hurts and it sucks. And this is a really bad adversity for him to go through after winning a whole bunch. But I think it's good for him to face this. And I think that if he looks at this as wow, I I played bad that that game sucked. It was horrible for us. It sucked. But what can I do to make sure that that never happens again? How can I be better? How can I get better? And anything that he can take a page out of Joe Burrow's book, which is just sit down in the film room, look at it, and also keep on working on his throwing. If he does that, because Clemson's going to be right back in the playoffs, because they're a good football team. He'll be right back in the playoffs. If he really, really puts the time and effort and uses that as motivation, as fuel to get better, I think that they that, that, that he specifically will be much, much, much better next year and will be a much better passer. I like that that he was on the verge of tears as his teammates were making sure that he was okay on the sideline and then telling and telling him that it's okay, it's okay. I like that he was on the verge of tears because in because I know that he, that that game meant something big to him. That although that they won last year, it still means something for him, and and that the loss hurts and that sucks and it's a lot of pain for him. I I, I just want I just want to see him use that loss, that pain, as fuel for him uh, next season to. To improve his game, to become a better passer, so that when he goes to the NFL, because he will go to the NFL, barring injury or something crazy, he will be drafted, and I want to see him succeed in the NFL rather than fall flat on his face. He's only a sophomore going into his junior year next year, and I think that that's good because it prevents him from going into the league this year 
and falling flat on his face. I think that this gives him time to really hone in on what he wants to improve and just get better on this level first, rather than forcing himself into the NFL, where I don't think he's quite ready yet. So, as long as Trevor Lawrence takes that to heart and really, really improves his game and really uses that as motivation and puts in the time and hard work and builds that work ethic, if he does that, he's going to be right back on track and will have the chance next year to redeem himself. So, that will be it for, for the G-Truth. We went over the cultural playoffs and the NFL division round. Division round. I don't know why I said that with an accent. Uh, NFL division round. So, hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, I do have a lot of... All, all this was, was very NFL-heavy and football-heavy in general. I do have quite a few basketball segments that I want to talk about or, or, or do or, or already have planned out for this coming week. Our upcoming couple days. So, this is this is the G Truth. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. Um, it's a new year, a new decade, and I, I'm I'm going to improve uh, as I continue recording and, and practicing, and it's only going to get better. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Peace.